Welcome to the Fuel Buyer Summit. I really, really appreciate you joining us today to talk a little bit about uh, one of the subjects that's going to be near and dear to the hearts of all of the attendees, which is fuel prices, right? And what's going on in our crazy world of fuel supply and fuel price and all of that. So thank you for joining us. It's good to be here. Good. So for our audience, this is Patrick Gihan. Uh, Patrick is with a company called Gas Buddy. So why don't you tell us first a little bit about what Gas Buddy does? Some people might have heard of them. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what you do for Gas Buddy. Sure. Well, as you mentioned, I'm head of petroleum analysis at Gas Buddy. Uh, my daily routine uh, is basically analyzing all sorts of trends when it comes to fuels markets, liquid fuels, oil prices, the upstream and downstream. Uh, for those sharp eyes who realize I may be wearing a PDI shirt that doesn't say Gas Buddy, uh, Gas Buddy was acquired by PDI. So do you look at Fibonacci curves? <laughs> I look at just about any curves. Uh, I look <laughs> at <laughs> any chart. You know, I've got an Excel that's probably way too big. My computer doesn't like when I open it. It sits there and lags for a few minutes. Right. Uh, there's an incredible amount of data uh, that we, uh, a wealth of data that we get on a daily basis. I'm sure there is. So. Okay, so one of the things that uh, I had mentioned to you before we started actually talking about this was I saw you, uh, you were on television quite a bit during the whole colonial pipeline uh, issue back in the spring of 2021. So it was, it was interesting to see you all over the news. How was it? What was that like? Well, you know, generally, if you see my face in the news, it's it's generally not for the best of reasons. Either there's something going on, uh, a refinery outage, gas prices soaring. In this case, it was the Colonial Pipeline outage. And, um, you know, talk about uh, a whirlwind week. It's something I'm used to looking at price trends, but I don't think that entire week or two, really, uh, I got to look at many price trends. It was more tracking the amount of outages in the Southeast, because as many know, the Colonial Pipeline is the major artery that delivers refined products to many states in the Southeast. And with both line one and two, basically Colonial's whole system shut down because of the cyber attack. Uh, it, it created a, a very trying situation. Of course, uh, the media well covered it uh, and to the point where motorists were uh, a bit panicked, we'll say, uh, filling up Rubbermaid containers and plastic bags with gasoline, thinking it was the end of the world. So, you know, I've got... I've got almost 40 years experience in the business. I worked for a very long time for a price reporting agency. So we know, you know, those of us in the industry understand what impact a refinery problem or something that affects the distribution system. So can you kind of just tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how huge that really is for our business and for people that buy fuel and what your experience was with that? Well, you know, fuel networks are incredibly reliable uh, until they aren't. And you talk about a piece of infrastructure, uh, so many significant pieces of infrastructure, in this case, the Colonial Pipeline. Um, of course, we're in the midst of hurricane season, which we've seen uh, even infrastructure like the Louisiana offshore oil port, the Mississippi River, the Houston Ship Channel. There's so many key pieces of infrastructure that are invisible uh, to the average motorists. Um, and, and when these go down, of course, that's when these issues surface. Um, and very quickly, uh, you know, very much the fuel networks in the U.S. are very much uh, hand to mouth. That is, uh, there is not a whole lot of, of grace period for when a pipeline goes down 
uh, it can affect fuel networks very quickly. And that ripples across entire logistics change, not just motorists were affected by challenges this summer, uh, but COVID-induced challenges even with airlines uh, out west where the trucker shortage that's been ongoing for several years had made it very difficult for commercial airlines at small airports to refuel. So there've been myriad challenges across the board this summer, not just motorists filling their tanks, but uh, planes and of course the trucker shortage. So all aspects of logistics have really been challenged this year. People, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think people don't realize the complicated system that goes in to getting fuel from point A to point B. Right. I mean, it comes out of a pipeline, it goes, comes out of a refinery, goes through these many pipelines and then goes into terminals. So there's it's a complicated network of things that have to happen and a lot of people involved in it. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like watering your garden with a 50 foot hose and eventually you'll get a kink maybe to somewhere uh, and you don't really realize things are wrong until the water stops flowing. And, and we saw many kinks this year and, and some of them were layered on top of each other just because one kink cleared didn't mean it was just a straight shot down the rest of, of, the, of the pipeline or to the gas station. So, and some of these have been induced by COVID-19 challenges. Uh, you talk about early on in the pandemic, the fact that fuel supply uh, greatly exceeded demand. And so truckers in some instances were laid off, fuel networks really slowed down, refineries shut down production, and then markets came roaring back when the vaccine started uh, to be released and, and it really allowed America to reopen. Uh, and of course that caught many of these fuel networks uh, in a precarious situation. That's a perfect segue to the next question. So here we are, we're now in September, we're heading into what we used to call the, the driving season or excuse me, the, the trucking season, the diesel season, right? So kind of give us, what do you see happening as far as the picture of, let's start with supply. Do you see, what do you see happening now in terms of domestic supply? Well, it, it's been a challenge made worse here very recently by some of the Atlantic tropical storms. We've seen some hurricanes that have disrupted, again, various aspects of fuel networks. The Colonial Pipeline was shut down for Hurricane Ida briefly. Again, for Nicholas, a loss of power. Refineries have slowed down because of the damage inflicted by Ida. Oil production has slowed down. And so at the end of the day, supply in the recent weeks have really been challenged uh, from diesel to gasoline, really all portions of the barrel, simply because refineries have been impacted by these events. And that's something to be aware of the rest of the hurricane season is that uh, NHC, the National Hurricane Center, has predicted an above average year for storms. And so we may continue to be subject to the whims of mother nature the rest of the summer. Supply has been constrained. You look at, especially compared to last year, distillate inventories or what's used for diesel fuel, heating fuel, all the heavier fuels, uh, oils as well, uh, bunker oil, uh, has been really challenged by the fact that uh, things have come roaring back. Uh, really in every, set, in every area of the economy, we've seen a, a huge surge in consumption and supply has been slow to come up. Now, refineries have done a good job this year increasing utilization as demand has come back, uh, but now then it flows to oil supply, which has been slow to respond to the increase. And that's really why motorists and the price of fuels have gone up substantially is because of the delicate balancing act done last year by oil producers to minimize surplus. Right, so are there any, 
so obviously, you know, the, the whole Houston refining system is is in 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 the crosshairs of a lot of these storms, and that affects the Colonial Pipeline and wood chips. Are there any other trouble areas that we should really keep an eye on? Well, I, I think you mentioned it. That's really the sweet spot uh, between the mouth of the Mississippi River there in New Orleans, all the way down potentially to Houston. Now, Corpus Christi too can be in the crosshairs of a of a storm, but that's less of a of an epicenter of refining capacity. So Houston, uh, between Houston and the Mississippi River is really the area to watch. And now those areas, of course, were battered by Ida and then Tropical Storm Nicholas. Uh, that's a sensitive area where you can see uh, uh, a supply disruption and pricing impacts. And keep in mind now that because of, of really more damage than anticipated from Ida, should we see another organized storm threaten that area, we could have a more dramatic impact on both supply and pricing the rest of the hurricane season, which lasts through the end of November. It could be a problem, sure. And that's, again, where we were saying before, where there's so many things that have to occur between the time it gets through the refinery to the place where people get the fuel. So that whole system becomes taxed with weather. So that's that's huge for, for people. Let's talk a little bit, because I know everybody's looking at, okay, I get it that there's there's pent up demand, that we've had all these distribution issues. What about price? What do you see on the horizon as far as price goes? Well, there's been a lot of talk on inflation. That's That's been, so many commodities have, have seen uh, inflationary or at least partially inflationary impact. Uh, and now the, the, the question is, is this transitory? I think part of it is transitory uh, because of the unique pent up nature of demand that we saw this year. But I certainly think part of it is here to stay because of policy from the White House. That is stimulus, uh, significant spending bills that may permanently boost inflation. So having said that, I think prices will likely stay higher than where they were prior to COVID. Obviously, we have a different administration in the White House that is not as oil friendly, and that will have an impact on price, uh, more so down the road, not today. Today, it's really COVID impacts. Uh, but prices will likely stay higher than they were uh, under the Trump administration uh, because of COVID-19 and because of policy that may affect things down the road. Uh, the price of some of these heavier oils has been at multi-year highs. Uh, I expect a limited amount of relief this fall going into winter. But of course, uh, for the heavier oils, you go into winter and that's peak consumption season because of, of heating oil. So there could be some upward price pressures as well because of, of uh, Atlantic hurricane season. Okay, well, you and I were talking a little bit earlier about diesel and actual diesel. Can you can you kind of tell me, let's talk a little bit about that mm -hmm. and with, where you were going with that with me. Diesel is very close to eclipsing its high watermark that was set back in October of 2018 when the average price of diesel uh, was about 329 a gallon. We are just three-tenths of a penny away from reaching and breaching that level. Uh, and then we will be at our highest price for diesel since 20. Uh, 14. Certainly not real great news, uh, but it's not looking good heading into the peak consumption year for diesel. Of course, if it's a colder than expected winter, uh, everyone remembers what happened in Texas last year, that could have an effect on some of these heavier fuels as well. So I wouldn't expect much relief uh, on the price of diesel moving forward. Okay. And you, what do you think, like through the whole season, do you, do you see relief anywhere down the line? Like all right, do you think when we get into next spring, which of course then becomes refinery turnaround season, and you start hitting a lot of that? 
Yeah, as you mentioned, um, you know, looking at diesel, since it's basically the polar opposite of gasoline and peak consumption season, I don't see a whole lot of relief this fall. Um, refinery turnaround season is, is upon us as well. Um, now, again, utilization has been above 90%. I just slowed that down. Utilization's back down to about 82%. I would expect that to uh, improve. Um, but moving forward, I don't think we will see sizable relief in supply until potentially next spring or at earliest, maybe next mid-February or March or so when we start to come out of, of heating oil season. Would you mind explaining for our, our listeners what a refinery turnaround is? Well, it, uh, refineries, of course, are operating 24-7 for the bulk of the year and really the only time to make sure these plants are adequately prepared uh, and, and maintained is during what is a turnaround season. And those are, are the times of year that demand tends to be lower. And since gasoline is the chief product produced at refineries, it really is dictated by gasoline demand season. Uh, and so refineries generally have two turnaround seasons in fall and in spring, really late winter and early spring. Uh, and those are the times that we see utilization drop and we can see prices uh, rising as supply uh, temporarily uh, dips. Right. And the other thing that, you know, we found or I found when I was when I was in that world is that refinery turnarounds, they might say, look, we're going to take this unit down for two to three weeks. Two to three weeks then becomes eight weeks because it's not like you could just flip a switch and turn these things back on again, which goes to the fragility of the whole system. Right. Absolutely. As you mentioned, it's like kind of taking in an old car. These refineries are not the youngest. Uh, many of them would probably have gray hairs, if not more. I mean, some of these refineries, we're, we're talking predate uh, the 20th century. So uh, a lot of these are, are very old. They need to be maintained. Uh, and things do go a little bit wrong. It's like taking your car in for uh, tires. And they say, oh, well, your tie rods and your ball joints are shot as well. Unexpected issues can arise during turnaround that are unexpected, causing that turnaround to go into uh, you know, a, a period that was not expected. And that can really have a significant impact and spook the market when a refinery says, well, we're going to be down for eight weeks instead of four. Usually a refinery plans for those four weeks. And so that means that if you're down twice as long, uh, that you have uh, that you have supply concerns. Right, exactly. Any other thoughts? I mean, do you focus at all on California? Do you do you look at that that crazy market which is really detached from everything else do you have any thoughts on what's going on out there because i'm sure we have people from california listening oh absolutely uh, the west coast really a petro island uh because of, of the nature of pipelines california has been a hot spot this summer not only because of the unique amount of regulations and taxes uh, but keep in mind the extremely hot weather this summer especially in the pacific northwest had a ripple effect all the way down to california as well Whereas the rest of the nation is seeing the highest diesel prices in a couple of years and on the cusp of seeing prices at the highest since 2014, California and the West Coast have been looking at the highest prices since 2012. And again, it's because of the tremendous heat that refineries saw in the Pacific Northwest. Think back to Texas, refineries this winter in Texas with uh, exposure to the severe cold were shutting down because those refineries are ill-equipped to, uh, to handle such weather. Likewise, on the flip side, refineries in the Pacific Northwest were not prepared to handle the extreme heat and had to slow down operations this summer. So we are starting to see some relief uh, on the lighter product side of the barrel in the West Coast, but that may not extend very far or very long. So California will likely continue to be a hot spot 
though we are starting to see prices come out of the stratosphere more down to reality. Any other thoughts for us where we can wrap up pretty soon? Your, your insights are amazing, by the way. And I love your analogy about the 50-foot hose because that's perfect. You know, we all go out to water our plants and inevitably you turn around and there's a kink in the hose and you have to, you know, whiplash the hose and it still doesn't come out. I wish somebody had used that analogy with me when I was starting in the business because that's brilliant. It really is. But, uh, in regards to where we go here, you know, I, I think prices will be a little bit higher for a little bit longer, but we will see some modest relief. Uh, but again, uh, until we can really get beyond this COVID landscape, uh, we may be settling in for higher than normal prices. And it's going to be around for a while, right? That's right. Okay. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, is there, if people want to reach out to you, is there a way for people to reach out to you? Sure, Scott. I, you know, I love to engage uh, on Twitter, my Twitter handle at GasBuddyGuy, if there's any follow-up questions. Uh, and of course, if anyone would like to see more of the data mentioned here, they can go to fuelinsights.gasbuddy.com and reach out uh, that way as well. That's perfect. And I'm sure that the next time there's some type of disruption, I will see you on the Today Show. Well, let, let's hope there's no disruption, but if it happens, hopefully I'll have some good news for you. Well, you know what's funny? Because one morning I happened to be channel flipping. I don't do it a lot, but I saw you in sequence in three different uh, morning shows. And I was like, go Patrick. That's when That's you know it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It.